Welcome to another episode of Bees in Your Face, where I, Hunter Arias, sit down with my loving father, Dr. Robert Arias, and ask him many philosophical and psychological questions that pertain directly to my life, and I'm sure many others' lives as well. Today we decide to talk about anger. As one of the primary emotions in most people's emotional color wheel, it can be the driving force of many decisions that you make in your daily life. So in line with being mindful, it's always good to point out in your daily life when exactly you're feeling angry, define it as such, and hang it on the tree, your lexicon of different emotions that you feel, in order to better learn how to deal with it in the future. So today we're going over different ways in which people may feel angry, the things that bring them on, and potentially how to utilize anger to your benefit. So thank you for listening to episode 5 of the Bees in Your Face podcast. Let's kick it off! Okay, so the definition of anger is a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or hostility. And none of those words are positive. Uh... Uh, an example is the colonel's daughter, or the colonel's anger at his daughter's disobedience. So, you know, anger is generally perceived as a as a negative thing, um, but I've also seen a lot of different perspectives regarding anger as a utility or a positive thing. You know, something that can be a driving force in your life. Particularly, Henry Rollins, the lead singer for Black Flag, um, talks about that a lot. He says. He's, he's just an angry person, so he gets up every day and it motivates him to do Henry Rollins stuff, you know, and get crap done. He works 60, 70-hour weeks doing the stuff that he does because if he doesn't, he will be pissed at himself, you know? Yeah. So is there an instance where anger can be positive? I, I think depending on how you measure what positive is, um, you know, Henry Rollins might measure positive as in your example, and I have no independent knowledge of that, but <clears throat> let's say that's all true, which it probably is. Um, uh, he measures it as a positive because he gets more units of productivity done in a day. Yeah. Right? And maybe that makes money or whatever, accomplishes whatever he wants to accomplish. Right. Um, if you measure success in your life as happiness and peacefulness, uh, I, I cannot see how those two things would be compatible. Hmm. Say one has depression, right? Uh, and they are unhappy consistently. Would anger be a, a, the right step forward? Would getting angry about something in order to accomplish it, would, would that be a, a better translation as opposed to depression? So let's say somebody has... Uh, uh, they're 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 feeling depressed, <clears throat> right? I, I I hesitate to say has depression. Or I see patients a lot who come in and say, and they refer to their mental illness as as theirs, as my anger, and it's almost like it's a, like a little possession that they have, yeah. That they that they keep as a as a as a card in their hand of life, right? To play. Right. Um, you've seen people, I'm sure, who used some mental health diagnosis as an excuse for something. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, <clears throat> the, the most egregious one of those to me is people come in and say, I am. And then they say their mental illness. Typically, right. it's I, I am, am bipolar, bipolar. Right. Because uh -huh. you've heard me say that before. Yeah. Um, they think of that as their identity. OK. <clears throat> and that's just not helpful. In graduate school, some some wise person taught us to say 
it's it's somebody who they are not bipolar it's somebody who is diagnosed with that right so right. that's that's a little bit overkill but I, I so that's why I hesitate to say I am or I have like it's my possession um, maybe maybe one might say I feel depressed or I feel anxious I feel sad I feel right angry whatever <clears throat> so I mean, one can say that they have anger management problems right yes but anger is an inherent feeling in life as is feeling sad or depressed so depression now is such a, a, a hot button issue because it's become the thing that's being diagnosed to everybody you know whereas anger management is not particularly something that is widely regarded as something to be watched out for you know so yeah so all these mental illness um, words diagnosed diagnostic words like depression and anxiety and bipolar disorder and all that kind of stuff <clears throat> um, are are used so colloquially like the the bar has lowered so much yeah. like I'm depressed well when a mental health person I th when you refer to depression I mean that's there's a we're talking about quote unquote clinical depression right where it satisfies diagnostic criteria for something well over the years the diagnostic book has has softened they call it criterion creep so the criteria for diagnosing depression or whatever has softened so much that it's become so easy to diagnose somebody with something. And the to see a mental health person, we have to diagnose somebody with something to get paid for whatever we did. Really? Yes. You can't come in here to see me for, a, for an initial diagnostic interview, say, right? And I diagnose you with nothing. Mm -hmm. That just can't happen. Why? Because the 90791 CPT code that I would bill for that to the insurance company, to Blue Cross or wherever, has to be accompanied by some mental health diagnosis. So they make all these diagnoses that are so soft and ambiguous. Like there's a diagnos diagnosis, believe it or not, of unspecified mental disorder. It's like, what is wow. that? Are you kidding me? No. Right? It's the most garbage can vague diagnosis. You can just, if you don't know what it is, just throw it in that can because it's a, and you and you can you can bill for that code, right? So when people say that I have depression, um, that should have a connotation of some like significant thing, right? But in the diagnostic book, again, there's major depression, there's unspecified depressive disorder, there's cyclothymic disorder, there's bipolar disorder, there's di a persistent depressive disorder, which used to be dysthymia, which is sort of mild chronic, minor chronic depression. So you're going to fit some category, and we're going to make sure because I'm going to get paid for having seen you. Mm -hmm. We're probably digressing from our topic today, but but that that is a I think that's a it's a it's a disservice to patients, to people, to individuals, right? right. Because we you're going to get diagnosed with something. So anyway, if you say um, I feel depressed now, okay, it could be a what we would call a subclinical depression, although we're not going to get paid for seeing people with subclinical problems, so you're never going to get diagnosed. There is no diagnosis of subclinical depression, meaning yeah. it's not big enough to actually qualify as a diagnosis. Right. So, but if you say I am, I'm angry, I'm sad, I'm whatever. That's that's helpful to help somebody else understand beyond all the beyond all the diagnostic issues. Somebody to understand your state of of feeling or being at the time, mm -hmm. right? So, <clears throat> if you say uh, I'm I'm sad, and we want to understand what back upstream what the situation was, and then how you thought about your you constructed your thoughts and reality ultimately about that circumstance that led you to feel a certain way 
whether it's sad or guilty or ashamed or angry or whatever. Mm -hmm. So if you say, I feel anxious, I feel sad, I feel whatever, I wouldn't say I have depression. Although you're right, I think there's, those phrases are there and they're, and they're, they've worked their way into our, into our everyday vernacular, right? Our everyday language. And that's the way the drug companies want it. Yeah. Like, like if you see drug companies, uh, commercials on TV, um, they try to reduce medical um, diagnoses to like um, a, uh, a little acronym or, or, or a few letters, right? Like you have GERD, right? G-E-R-D, uh, gastroesophageal reflux disease, right? And okay. so you have GERD yeah. or you have uh, OSA, which is obstructive sleep apnea. Huh. Or you have, right, so if you have all these things, they're trying to reduce this to something that people can kind of wrap their minds around really easily and becomes part of the vernacular. Right. I, I feel like that sort of badge on your chest um, perspective to take with your diagnosis, you know what I mean? Like it's just part of you. Yep. It, it leads you to believe that there's nothing you can do about it. You know, Ooh. it's just, it implies helplessness. Like it, they, there's, there is no source. It's just you are this way. You know? So people say... To that point, people say, well, it's a chemical imbalance. Like, okay, well, it actually may be a chemical imbalance of some sort, right? Um, but I, my question always to people who say that is, and tell me the foundation for that conclusion. Mm. It, there's never an answer to that, Yeah. right? Because they didn't take your serotonin level or they didn't take your norepinephrine level or whatever, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, to see where those are and this is an endogenous depression i think most people just default to that because they they don't understand how how their thinking patterns and the behavioral contingencies in their life led them to feel that way and so it's like the it's like that um you know the guy loses his keys by the side of the road at night and somebody's and he's looking under the street lamp and somebody comes up and he goes hey did you lose something? Can I help you? And the guy goes, yeah, I lost my keys. And I said, well, where did you lose your keys? And he points at the dark field over there. And he goes, well, why are you looking under the street lamp? He goes, because it's easier. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> I'm never going to find them in the dark, oh so I might God. as well look here, right? And so that's what people, so they just kind of lump it over there into the, some endogenous or uh, chemical-y sort of depression that they could not have done anything about. And then they submit. I, I think there, there, there's a, there's a, a positive intent, uh, the positive intention, if I can uh, squeeze one out of this, is to remove the stigma of having some mental health issues. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so people f don't feel shame about it or avoid seeking treatment for it. And I, that's... F that's nice. That's yeah. fair. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. I, that's a positive thing. But it, then it goes, it goes off the scales on this whole sort of um, you're, you're, you are your diagnosis and there's nothing you can do about it um, and, uh, except for take the medication. I mean, there's a psychiatrist yeah. that I saw that told somebody, an engineer, very bright guy who was depressed. He says, your brain is broken. You need to lie on the couch until I fix it for you. And that's what, what yes. And that's what the person told me. Right. And this is a bright individual who was a credible, you always take what people will say with a grain of salt, but yeah. it was a pretty credible um historian on on the conversation that had happened and so that's that sort of thing goes on all the time damn all right well do you have any stories of uh an anger problem that's gone off the rails 
I'd like to hear like the worst, the worst of the anger. So we talked about how anger might be able to be a utility. When, at what point does it become a hindrance? You know. Well, okay. So if you say I'm angry, it could be a better alternative than just the apathy of, of nothing. Yeah. Right. At least, at least you're engaged emotionally in some way, right? So <laughs> I would true. say to answer your original question. Um, I would say that, that that's better than nothing in terms of your feelings. At mm-hmm. least you might be motivated to either approach something, some goal, or avoid something else, right? Um, it may not express itself in a very uh, constructive way because you're emotional. And uh, I understand 70% of our decisions that people make are emotional in nature, not rational. Seventy percent. Seventy percent. Wow. That those are the those are the data, at this point. So, uh, if you're angry and you're going to get up and make some decisions or handle something in an angry state of mind, it's probably not going to be handled that well, mm-hmm. right? Um, it may be better than lying on your couch and having done nothing, right? Um, but at least you're engaged in doing something. Beyond that, it's just not helpful. Right. What's most helpful is for us to be thinking people like we've talked about before and say, OK, um, there's this is a situation about which I'm concerned. OK, so I, I like this dichotomy of uh, of I'm concerned. Over here on this end or I'm peaceful over here on this uh-huh. end. Right. Um, like if somebody asks me, are you proud of your sons? Um, what I say is uh, the pride, there's pride on one end and shame on the other end, right? And so I, I don't, if, if you have, like for every heaven, there's a hell, right? So if you did something, like if you robbed a liquor store, let's say, just, I saw a patient the other day robbed a liquor store. Okay, so let's say you robbed a liquor store. Would I be ashamed of you? What I would be is concerned about you, right? Having my mentor hat on and seeing you make bad decisions, I think there's something to be concerned about. Yeah with that. So I, that's, that I think is a better continuum or dichotomy to think about than, than being uh, a proud or ashamed of somebody. Because when people are ashamed, like I I lost my hair, right? I'm Mm. bald. Yeah. And if you say, ha, bald guy, right? And and I have a problem with that. I'm like, right? So I'm angry. Why am I angry? Uh, because you're ashamed of the fact that you lost your hair. Right. So let's, I'm not ashamed of the fact I lost my hair, right? Yeah. Um, in fact, so at this point in my life anyway, that's, <laughs> we can, if you were, we'd have something to talk about. It w- well, we, we that could would talk. be your major character flaw. Is your it, it would be, a ma- <laughs> it would be, it would be the tip of the iceberg of character flaws for me, right? Probably. If we, if we pulled on that string, oh. we could unravel other yeah, kind right. of flaws that I have in my right. thinking. Right, yeah, it'd be weird if that was your only flaw. Yeah, it wouldn't you know, be. It wouldn't be. There's no way. I would either have other ones or be potential, have potential for having other ones along the same line, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm bow-legged, right? Um, you're bo- ah, I, got, I had a girl in junior high used to say, hey, bow-legs. I'm like, what? Nikki, what, you, Nikki, you know? Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, like, ah, oh, makes you feel small and yeah. like, ah, oh, God, uh, the rickets, you know? Hey, rickets, oh. boy. I'm like, oh, man. Um, so if you don't have shame then there's not the angry response. Mm-hmm. Then I think the more constructive way to think about that is 
uh, this person, it's either funny, right? It's funny. You can laugh at yourself, and that's true because I'm a bald guy, and, you know, that's all right with me. Um, or <clears throat> uh, or you can think, well, I learned, learned something about this person. Like if they were really mean-spirited about it, mm-hmm. you go, oh, this person has, you know, issues of whatever type, yeah, right, that are revealed right. by their behavior with me. But at no point am I going to be, if I'm on my game, which at this point in life I am most of the time, um, angry about that. I'm going to be either concerned or I always think of, it's not a feeling word really, but I would feel informed. In other words, I would conclude that I am informed about a situation uh, and I'm grateful to be informed about a situation because then my future decisions will likely be better because I know the lay of the land. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the fact that I'm not an angry person. Like that's, well, Why do you think you're not huge. an angry person? I, you know, I, uh, you know, it's funny at, at, at my work, there's a, uh, there's a little plaque in the bathroom, not a plaque, but it's just a little creed. It's like a paragraph of, of stuff, wisdom to live by sort of. And, uh, one of the things that I, I genuinely disagree with in it is, uh, the line without fa- without fail and in all circumstances, be on good terms with all people always essentially. Right. Uh, and I've, I've valued that for the most part, but also I'm not going to sacrifice or I'm not going to compromise my morals or whatever, you know, to be on good terms with everybody. Somebody's being a piece of crap. They're being a piece of crap like that, like that guy who, uh, who called me not cute the other day, you know? I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to instigate that further. I just said them's fighting words, you know, uh, in a joking way, of course. Sure. Um, but I, I just, uh, it's just not worth it for me. And I'm sure you could trace that back to something in my, in my rearing, you know, my early adolescence that you guys instilled in me. Um, but for the most part, it, it seems like I just, uh, it's not worth it for me to be angry. So, t- so tell me what you mean by it's not worth it. It, uh, I just find more it, it, peacefulness, you know? I mean, if, I, if I'm in a situation where um, I'm stressed, stress kind of brings out more anger in me gen- generally. If somebody saying something mean to me is going to make me introspect maybe a little bit, you know? It's, I'm going to step back and think about it from my perspective and maybe try and analyze their perspective as well and understand why they said that or why they did that thing. Um, but when I'm stressed, that c- sort of brings out more of a nasty side in me. If I'm at work and I've been working, standing at the register for four hours straight, um, I, I eventually get crass, you know, or curt with customers. Um, and I wish I, I wish I didn't, but it, that's the only context in which I'll get angry. I, I think about it like this. Like if you work out hard, like you run and ride and stuff, right? <clears throat> and I'll ride and I'll run once in a while uh, and I lift more off, right? So mm-hmm. let's say you r- are riding your bike. Let's say we're out in the mountains, right? And we're riding our bike. Ox- oxygen's a little low. And at some point you start to feel a burn in your legs, right? Oh, skiing. Let's take skiing. All right. So I'm the guy that slows us down, right? <laughs> <laughs> Mostly when we ski. Oh, don't sell yourself short, man. Oh, well, I am short, and that is <laughs> well, true. Me too. You know, it's all right. Well, that is true. No, you're not. You're average height. <laughs> um, but let's just say your legs start to burn, 
right? We're on Phantom Bridge out at Winter Park, right? Yeah. And it's ah Black Diamond Mogul Run. Yes, Black Diamond Steep Mogul Run, yeah. right? Where you look up at the bottom, you're like ah, looking at that, <laughs> right? What happens is you have lactate buildup in your quads, right? Right. And I'm not an expert. I'm not an expert on this, but this is what I understand from mom's explanations. And then it burns. What happens the more in shape you get? You're able to withstand more and more stress well, on your muscles. Why? Because you've taught your muscles to do what? To work that hard. To clear lactate. Okay, yeah. Right. So you can push yourself farther and farther and harder and harder before you reach lactate threshold, start to burn, and then fail. Yeah. Right? So psychologically, you say, well, four hours at the register with a bunch of like people that are not always, you know, just, whatever. Just the general public. Sure. That, absolutely. Know. Of course. It's the general <laughs> public. I get that. Um, and then you get crass. Right? So the, the psychological task for all of us is to be able to deal with so much being pushed and not get angry, which doesn't mean that you don't do something different, right? right? But it's like we're not feeling angry about it and we're not curt. Our behavior doesn't change. And people look at you and you go, then they say, man, how can you do? Like I had this woman in my office many years ago, older woman, demented, and she was a jerk to me, man. And I get that a lot, but she was, uh, she was a generic jerk to me. And we're walking out and her daughter's there and her daughter stops before they walked out the door and I was, I was standing there and she whispers to me, she goes, you have the patience of a saint, <laughs> right? And my, and, and my reflexive response to that was, it's good practice for me, Yeah. right? Yeah. So I always look at it as good practice, right? And the more I can take with that without losing my cool or getting emotional about it, the better psychological shape I'm in. Yeah, for sure. Well, going back to the register example, um, my uh, method to mitigate any discomfort or anger that I feel while at the register is uh, to remind myself that, well, this is the, the uh, hip, inner hippie in me coming out, but like I can feel the, 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 the anxious vibes of people ordering food. People get anxious when they order food, right? And I'm cool. I got all my stuff. I know exactly what I'm doing. I just type in the thing. If they try and talk to me, I'll be like, yeah, all right, yeah, you know, it's just be pleasant conversation. It's made me better at small talk. But if I lose my ability to um, to be self-aware, what, 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 what would you call that? We've talked about this before. Um, uh, mindfulness, right? Sure, okay. Yeah, so uh, if I lose my ability to be mindful at the register, then I let the anxiety of everybody else who's coming up to the register get me, you know? Like, because they're anxious, I'm also anxious. Right. And it's the energy of the room, you know. I think of that as having a poor psychological immune system where everybody with a psychological proverbial cold ang of, of anxiousness or whatever, um, you catch that. Like, yeah. ah, I can't be around anybody without catching their vibe. <laughs> and I want to learn how to be immune. Yeah. And I, I like to take pride in my pickiness with that, too. Um, if I get into a room and I feel like there's something like there's people are not being kind to each other or I witness something I could just I could just feel uh the, the way that the room also feels right just sort of the energy there um and if if I don't like it then I leave whereas 
some people might walk into a situation where there's some negative energy and they'll not introspect at all and they will be like, oh, it must be me that's doing something wrong. I have to work harder to try and compensate because I'm not on the same level playing field as these guys when actually it's a negative trait that they're exhibiting, right? Right. So, um, yeah, just do what's best for you, man. That's kind of that's kind of my, my creed. Right. Yeah. Um, people have their ang- angry responses, their be- angry emotional and behavioral responses to things as a defense against a perceived threat. Yeah. Right? Because it feels more powerful for people to be angry, to feel and behave in an angry way, than it is to feel helpless, right? And yeah. s- or sad, right? Sort of the, uh, it's a veil of control over it the is, situation. It is, right. And like we've talked about, it's it's the better alternative than than just like doing nothing the rest of your life <laughs> if you manage it correctly, right? Yeah. I always think of like shooting off a a, a space shuttle or something, right? If you ha- you create an explosion but you control the explosion and then you can get to outer space, right? Right. But if you don't control the explosion, it's just a huge mess on the, on the launch pad, right? Yeah. So that would be an instance of utilizing anger in a positive way. Utilizing some emotional energy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. In a positive way, like determination. I I think the of, of course again the words that we use are really important. So instead of anger, I think of determination, grit, right, perseverance. Yeah. Motivation. Words with a little bit more of a positive connotation to them. Yeah, goal-directed behavior of uh-huh. approaching some goal that we're, yes, I'm going to, like, like triumph. And, you know, positive connotations like that or words like that that you use. Uh, and I'm not angry about it. I'm just determined to not have this garbage happen again if there's anything I can do about it. Uh-huh. And if there's nothing I could have done about it despite my best efforts energy, adaptation, all that, then I'll accept that, right? Mm-hmm. It's a serenity prayer, right? At no, at, at no point are we angry in this whole thing. We're accepting of things that we can't do anything about, but we're determined to manage all of the things that we can. So people talk about being like a control freak. Um, oh, wait, before we go on, yeah. I'd like to, to repeat the serenity prayer for those okay. anybody who hasn't heard it, because it's, it's something from AA. Uh, most like most people uh, know it from that because it's uh, they use it there. But uh, serenity prayer, and I have it hanging in my room. Mom gave me her oh, really? copy of it. You know, she worked at chemical dependency for a long time. And right. She's had that around. I remember seeing it in our study when we were younger, and Mom gave it to me. Yeah. And I freaking love it, man. It's, it's great. It's perfect. It's yeah, perfect. It's great. So it goes. God, of course, you know, you don't have to add any religious connotation to whatever it, your higher power whatever is. your higher power is, you know, for you. I know it's the bell curve uh, <laughs> regression to the mean <laughs> concepts in the universe that I'm trying to appreciate laws yeah. of physics, all those things. Yeah, those things are all there, there before I and they're going to be there long after I. It's true. And those are things that govern how the universe works. Yeah. And I, I'm happy to submit to those things or else I'm going to have bad outcomes anyway. So that's yeah. what any, whatever. But whatever your uh, your the higher power mm-hmm. uh, usually using that phrase is it can be substituted for God. But yeah. right. Right. So it goes, uh, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I can't change. Courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Freaking awesome. Uh, you know, this. The three words that are outlined are the serenity, the courage, and the wisdom. Uh, and, you know, 
I, I feel like it's self-fulfilling prophecy. Once you um, internalize those particular values, you know, then you're, it's going to lead more to that. You can't just one day be like, I'm going to be a wiser person, you know, like I'm going to seek wisdom. Like that's hard. You don't really seek wisdom. You seek things that lead you to wisdom, right? Information. Information. Yeah. Uh, experience, you know, hardship, whatever it is. But it's a start. Yeah. It's no, a it's... start for somebody to say, I am going to at least be mindful and pay attention to concepts of things, right? Mm -hmm. Information that where I can start to connect dots in my mind uh, and and be a wiser person in the long term. Yeah, that's awesome. Most people don't. They're, they're bu busy externalizing their problems. Yeah. Like, like I would say, my problem is I, I'm just not wise enough, right? <laughs> and my problem is I don't understand some stuff. Uh, like like uh, if I'm angry, say, you're the problem. You made me angry. It's like, no, I, I, I'm angry because I don't understand how to stay peaceful when yeah. somebody pulls in front of me and cuts me off in driving or when whatever doesn't go my way. Now, if you look at a small child who behaves in an angry way, you say, well, that kid has a problem, right? But when the adult behaves that way, the adult says, it's not my problem. You're the one that made me mad. It's your problem. And I'm now your problem because I'm angry, right? Oh, man. I mean, now that you point that out, I see that all over the place just externalizing problems. And it's it's the same issue, I think it comes down to the same issue talking about the people who wear their diagnosis like a badge on their chest. It's an externalization of the problem. Exactly. Right. So if there's look, if there's a if there's nothing that I could have done about it, then I get that. But even even with uh, like more hardcore mental illnesses like chronic mental illness like schizophrenia. Yeah. If you look at research on people who uh, would have gotten schizophrenia or have some schizophrenia, if if they were raised reared by their parents to be rational thinking people, right? Um, they don't get those symptoms. Sometimes at all are nearly as bad as they would if they didn't weren't grounded in, in a healthy thinking style, right? Yeah. So even things like that, you say, well, you couldn't have helped getting schizophrenia. And, and I'm not blaming the person with schizophrenia, right? Diagnosis schizophrenia. I'm just saying uh, there are ways to manage at least parts of the circumstances that we're in. And if we do that well enough for long enough, then the, the universe becomes benevolent to us, mm -hmm. right? And if, we, and if we don't, then the universe becomes increasingly malevolent to us in a butterfly effect sort of a way, you know? Yeah. Benevolent universe premise, basically yeah. what you're explaining. <clears throat> right, and the malevolent universe premise. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Both of those outcomes are, are, are awaiting us, right? So yeah. if, if we persist in, in understanding adapting and implementing good values and good decisions, then we're going to rehabilitate our situation as much as could possibly have been. So the more positive energy we put into that, if you really believe that that's true, and I wasn't raised that way, I was raised in a, it's going to be messed up no matter what you do, and we're going to have to run to the hills at some point because we're going to be persecuted as a group, okay? Who is the group? Well, the way I was the way I was indoctrinated as a, as a child, it was the religious group to which we belonged. Baptists. Right? No, 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 no. Seventh Day Seventh Adventist, Day Adventist yeah, right? Yeah. And I, I have a soft spot for Seventh Day Adventists in many ways, but that's just not helpful, right? I mean, as a teenager, I used to go into our pantry and check to see how much canned food we have and try to figure out how long we could we could survive on oh, the canned man. foods that we had in our pantry. Right? Oh Jesus! Of our okay. little our little hovel, right? Yeah. 
do you think that was uh, that was some good practice for mitigating anger? I mean, you know, you could be you could be angry at the fact that you're you don't have that much money or resources or food or whatever, you know. Um, but it seems like you never really got to that point where you were angry about it. Well, I was just scared. Yeah, you know, yeah. frankly, I was just scared. I, I never thought about being angry about that. Well, fear leads to anger. I had, I had, anger yeah, the path to, to the dark so side, <laughs> right? <clears throat> well, no, I had other things that I was angry about, but I, I don't. I was just too like worried about that to be angry about it. I think, uh -huh. but um, but yeah, those things, uh, those things aren't helpful to think like that. Um, I, I find that that benevolent universe premise, if you focus on certain things then you can be positive about things. Focus on the things that you can do something about. It implies that you've accepted the things that you can't do anything about. Like that I'm in front of somebody who has an anger problem, mm -hmm. right? And they're pointing the, that at me at this point. Like, okay, I accept that. I'm gonna accept everything. And I'm yeah. gonna just do my best to discern what I can do something about, the wisdom that you mentioned in the serenity prayer. Um, and <clears throat> courage you only need when you're afraid. Right, and I'm going to use the courage to just focus on that and do what I can with that, and implement my values, which would be kindness, respectfulness, mm -hmm. you know, those sorts of things when I interact with people. I think it would take courage, particularly to deal with anger, uh, because it's it is so closely tied with your ego. You know, somebody. It seems like in a lot of instances where somebody's angry, it's somebody infringing on their own perception of themselves you know um so that you know it's it's just can you give me an example because anybody listening to this might might benefit from hearing an example where we can say well here's a generic situation that you might be referring to and maybe what's an alternative way to think about it in a better right. way well you know earlier uh you had you had brought up your uh rickety legs and your bald head <laughs> um you know, and somebody, somebody nice. with an somebody with an ego that's fragile, uh, but they're holding on to so closely, right? I mean, it's funny because the people you say a fragile ego generally that means that they, uh, they have, they're very holding, they're holding, they have to take so much energy to hold on to their ego because it's so fragile, right? Um, so say somebody comments on your bald head or your rickety legs, uh, and you get angry at them, you know. Mm -hmm. um, you have to have an element of courage to overcome your ego, you know, or the negative ego that you well, have. Well, let's let's define ego. Can okay. you look, can you look it up? I don't have my phone yeah, with me. Yeah. Just so we know what we're talking about, because people think of what they're think. I, people have an idea of what they're talking about when they think of an ego. Mm -hmm. So an ego is a person's sense of self-esteem or, or self-importance. Yeah, exactly. Uh -huh. So we, we talked about self-esteem, mm -hmm. right? Both of those things are good, right? That, as opposed to the anger definition where all of those things were bad, discomfort, disdain, whatever it was. This one is actually two positive traits, having yeah. positive self-esteem and self-importance, whereas people don't really speak of ego in a positive context. Sure. Well, those things are, are, are they dovetail nice, nicely with what I was going to answer before we looked at that. Okay. Uh -huh. So... If you've hurt my ego, have you hurt myself? Okay, this is preposterous if we think appropriately about what the self is, right? So what we talked about uh, previously is the self is the aggregate of all of the values that I have, right? Mm -hmm. um, so is bow-leggedness a value of mine? 
or baldness a value no. of mine? No. Right, and you laugh when I ask you that because <laughs> yeah. it's preposterous, right? I love it. <laughs> I actually like being bald. Sun, yeah, sunburning, sunburn and cold are the downsides of baldness, yeah. but I don't waste time on my hair. Um, so, uh, so if you say, well, you've criticized me in that way or my body in that way, uh, have you hurt my ego? I think that's a ridiculous um, premise because my ego is based on substantive things of my kindness and all the values that I volitionally subscribe to. Um, what my head looks like and my legs look like have nothing to do with that, right? right. So you haven't even touched this yet, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like throwing 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 stones at a at a ship, right? Little pebbles at a ship and going, "I'm gonna sink you." Like what you're. No, you're mentally, you know, that's not <laughs> yeah. even in the realm of anything. It's laughable. Wow. So so it, you, you can't make me mad by doing those things. All you've done is, but you might as well just pull down your pants and like moon me, right? Like show me your ass. Because what you're doing is showing me things about you that would make me concerned. Like if you were my son, right? You would make me concerned that I have done a poor job at teaching you like one thing from another, mm -hmm. that if you're that uninsightful, like, ah, I got it. We got to start somewhere, man. Right, and I'm going right. to try to, as your dad, rehabilitate that. Or if you're a patient of mine, I'd say, okay, we need to start with something. If you're just a person in, like, in, in line somewhere that I am, I don't know, and you do those things, I'm like, wow, that person is really not a, um, a very self-aware, insightful yeah. person. And they probably have lots of problems in their lives. I think I'm just going to move over here. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I guess one last question before we finish it out. Do you see in people with, or I guess, do, do people with an anger problem generally know that they have an anger problem or do you have to tell them? Are they mindful enough to recognize that? Well, it's, it's an interesting question in the wording. Um, what you'd say, do they know that their anger, a question might be, do they know that their anger has caused them problems? Well, yeah, I got fired from whatever job, and I blah yeah. blah blah. My yeah. wife left me, or I got no friends, and you know whatever. I so keep... they generally do see the anger in themselves. I, I, the way that you worded the question, do they have an anger problem? Mm -hmm. I that would take some ownership that they're responsible for something, right? Yeah. Yeah. If you were to ask them again, has your anger caused you problems? They might say yes, but they might very well just blame everybody else. For making them angry, it's having the wisdom to change to know to, that to I'm know the difference. The internal, and we'll do an internal locus of control one of these at some point, right? Uh -huh. Like I don't have the control over my feelings; other people do. So I externalize that, and I don't take responsibility for that. Yeah. So I think some people might say, "No, I don't have an anger problem." Um, you know, like you ask an alcoholic, uh, "Have you? Did you have problem? Um, do you have an alcohol problem?" No, my only problem is when I don't have it. Right? right. Okay. Classic, classic. classic. Right. Do you have an anger problem? No. What I have is an other people in my life problem. Yeah. Externalization of the right. issue. Exactly. So to be the alternative to having to being angry is being responsible and being informed about what's around you and about your own values and to be clear about where you're trying to go and where you're trying to go away from, okay? Where I'm trying to go is, and I think what people want more than anything, is peacefulness, mm -hmm. right? I wanna be peaceful, not just situationally. I wanna be peaceful everywhere. 
and I'm going to die before I get to that point, right? But at least I want to evolve as quickly as I possibly can figure out how to do. And that requires some conscious attention to figuring out those things, right? Mm-hmm. So I can be the person that you could not rile me if you poked me with a stick. Like you remember um, going golfing at this little golf course up north of where we live uh, when you were, I don't know, probably nine or ten years old at most, right? Yeah, yeah. And do you remember what happened that day when the people got yelled at us and oh, stuff? Oh, yeah. No, remind me, remind me. Okay, so we went to this golf course, and <clears throat> it was a, it, we're all good golfers. Even you guys as little kids were good golfers. Um, and... Um, it was super busy, mid-Saturday morning, and all the locals in this little town were, you know, were golfing, you know, these middle-aged guys with big guts and, like, a cooler in the back of the cart with bush lights sticking out the yeah. top of the back, whatever. It was just the, the, the stereotype of that, right, right? right? They all know each other. The They're people all... who make golf less bearable. Well, I don't want to give those people a hard time because uh, those people are really nice sometimes. But yeah, it, it yeah. was just that. Like, we were intruding on a local's situation. Right. Of okay. the kids my age, it's the stereotype they want to get as far from as possible. I, I get that. <laughs> um, so we go to the pro shop, and, and, and the pro shop was on top of the hill. Um, and there were several holes that started from the top of the hill. So there were tee boxes, kind of several tee boxes around. And, uh, and she said, ah, oh, it's pretty busy. Um, go tee off at that one. And so we were like, okay, I didn't know what hole this was or whatever. We just walked over to the tee box. We all hit. We're starting to walk off the first tee. And these two guys, these two carts come, four guys, um, up to the tee. And we're probably 50 yards in front of them now walking. And apparently we had cut in front of them. And I didn't realize that because that's what the lady told us to do. And uh, the guy starts yelling, throwing F-bombs and all kinds of stuff at us, telling us to get out of the way, whatever. Yeah. And... uh, so I said, hey, guys, come on. There were big trees and oak trees. And we said, get behind the tree, and we'll just let them hit. And we waved them through. And I walked back up there because we were going to walk back up there. And I walked back up there, and the guy's sitting in his cart who was yelling. And I walked up to him in his cart. And I, I told this story to Colton, like maybe last year or the year before. He didn't remember it. Yeah. And I said. Uh, I do remember this vaguely. It's like the 10th hole, right? I don't know what hole it is. Oh, it's it just was a, right up by the clubhouse. It was by the clubhouse, yeah. yeah. And. Uh, and uh, I said, what do you think I said to the guy? And Colton's like, I don't know. And what I said to the guy was, all you had to do was ask. Yeah. Right? And, and then we walked into the club, back, back up to the clubhouse. And I said to the woman in the clubhouse, I said, hey, um, we'll, uh, I'll just take a refund if that's okay. This is what happened. And she was like, who was that guy? Who, who said that? And I was like, is that guy? She's like, ah, yeah, we have all kinds of problems with that guy, whatever. And so then the guy comes in the clubhouse. And so I, when I was asking Colton, uh, when I was telling him this story uh, recently, um, I said, what do you think the guy said? He's like, I don't know, you apologized? And I said, profusely. He was so apologetic. Nice. Right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Nice. He said, please stay and play our golf course. Please, we're, thank you for coming. Please stay and don't leave. And I said, you know what? It's okay. It's not a problem. Um, it's busy. It's a bad time for us to play, to butt in on, on this, all this thing. So we'll just come back some other time, which we never did, of course, not because we would never go back there. But you and I did once when you were in high school. Yeah. You were playing on the golf team, and we played there nine holes once. But, um, you know, so that, that's a good example to me of um, 
we and I could give you examples where I say and where I'm like angry and like don't say it, don't say it. Ah, God, I said it, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I've done that as well. Um, but that was that was where I walked away and I was like, I was good dad. I modeled good things, uh-huh. right? I was I was guy that was on his game that day. Um, so we have options on how we handle things. I never would have gotten that response from that guy had I said. Let's throw it down, brother. You know, you're yeah. going to pay for that, right? Right, right? It would have been a lose-lose for you guys, too, yeah. seeing your dad do that. Fighting with some, fighting random, with some random guy out okay, there. Okay, so one last thing. We're, we're over time now. But one last thing. Uh, my, my buddy Levi has a great mantra kind of to live by uh, when he is thinking about social interaction or, like, letting others get on your nerves or whatever. It's just treat other people strangers or otherwise as characters in your life you know what i mean okay uh because they're going to be the way that they're going to be it's like comic book guy you know is there some sassy you know fat extremely smart but total asshole dude who's sitting behind the counter at some store and you walk in and he's a dick to you you'll be like all right well i'm not going to shop here anymore that that was hilarious. You know what I mean? Yes. You're not gonna let it get on your nerves. So right. that's, I've been trying to espouse that a little bit more recently. And yeah. it's been working. It's been working. I'm well, more I, happy. I think a nice thing about that is that it creates a separateness, right? Like you see this person as an entity that's separate from you. Yeah. As yeah. opposed to like what you were alluding to before is people get themselves in mixed up with other people like this is about me so like this (laughs) isn't about me at all this is about this character in front of me Uh so i like that because and as long as it's not done in a disrespectful way although you know the bible says judge not lest ye be judged strictly speaking when you think of judging something you think of having an opinion about something Mm -hmm. right a conclusion that you've made based on good evidence if you were to not do that process you would have no opinions or convictions about anything Right. You wouldn't say this is better than that or this is worse than that. So I think, strictly speaking, um, if people just take that verse in the Bible as never having an opinion or judging anything, I think that's horribly harmful for people. Right. Um, So Ayn Rand, in contrast, for example, said uh, judge and expect to be judged. Mm -hmm. Right. Don't judge things that you don't have enough information to have a conclusion about. Right, but if you can, like judges in civil court, make make uh, make um, uh, verdicts on the basis of fifty point oh one percent of the evidence, right? So you don't need to be like in tri- criminal court; it's ninety five percent. It's beyond a reasonable doubt. So you don't have to be like for sure beyond a reasonable doubt. Just more likely than not. Then you're not agnostic anymore, yeah. right? Um, the the knife edge of fifty percent, uh, where it's not forty nine point nine or fifty point oh one, is hardly ever true so you go with whichever is the preponderance of evidence and you make a judgment about it right and then you move forward in your life with some conclusions about something right yeah, so yeah. you understand and if you take some responsibility you say i, I apologize and you take ownership even if it's just one percent of that and there's uh, one per- and the other person was 99 percent responsible for whatever the problem was you still go own your one percent you say i could have done this better and then you learn from it. And you learn from that. But at no point are we going to feel, maybe we can talk about shame and guilt and stuff in a different one of these podcasts. Um, but at no point are we feeling shamed of anything. Um, if we have really screwed something up, um, I, I'm just, 
I mean, I regret that that happened, and there's fallout from that, right? But I don't know everything, and I don't expect myself to know everything. I will make mistakes, despite me putting my best effort at addressing the thing in the best way that I could have, and I still screwed it up. Mm-hmm. Um, but is you know that's inevitable, and I accept that. Um, I'm going to learn from that. And they say, "How was your day?" Man, I screwed something up. Somebody died. I'm not a surgeon, right? But I just killed, I killed somebody in surgery, and they're going to sue me. And that's that's the small picture. Mm-hmm. The big picture is I learned some stuff today, right? Yeah. It's it's the Shel Silverstein, you know, um, three stings poem with, you know, Lou, Lou learned something about bees today, yeah. right? Yep. Okay, we accept that we got stung and it hurts. That's the small picture. Mm-hmm. The big picture is our own evolution as a person and our pe- toward, a, toward a place of peacefulness. Fantastic. Well, let's, let's make a vow to evolve to be less angry. So Just I, collectively, everybody. Right. So like, um, like uh, it's New Year's, right? New Year's resolutions. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to do that. I never make New Year's resolutions <laughs> because every day is... Every day is ground zero, and it's a new year, new year. It's a new day. It's a new yeah. rest of your life begins today. Right. Um, I was I was given a talk to uh, Supreme Court justices once, right, um, and um, about taking care of yourself as you get older and keeping your brain sharp. And one of the Supreme Court justices said to me, he raised his hand and he asked a question. And he said, "So is it, and this was a very overweight person?" And he goes, "Is it when is it too late to start?" And I said, if you were a patient in my office, I would say today is the first day of the rest of your life, right? Um, so whether it's New Year's or not, if you say, I'm going to make, like you said, a vow, I'm going to make a commitment to my future self to evolve as quickly as I can to be a person who is the best person that I could ever imagine being. Yeah. Always with kindness and respectfulness and all of those things, no matter what somebody says. So that poem, If, by Rudyard Kipling, if you can be lied about and don't deal in lies, for example, is one of the lines mm-hmm. from that poem, right? Mm-hmm. And people will lie about you and say, no, you're a whatever. You're like, you know what? I learned something about this person, and I accept that they think that, but it doesn't mean that I have to think that about me. So you take your inventory and you say, did I do that? And if you say no, and you say, I grade myself out as an A+, then I'm good. If you say I was a B plus, you say, well, how can I get to an A plus, right? But then you're peaceful. You're always peaceful with yourself, even in that process of evolution, right? But you have to live your values and you have to take responsibility for that if you're going to do that. And there's no shirking that responsibility ever. Oh, yeah. So every day is judgment day. Down low. (laughs) Boom. (laughs) All right. Nice. Oh, yeah. Thank you. This has been yet another episode of the Bees in Your Face podcast. Thank you so much for placing us in your ears and letting us uh, dig around, scrounge, and forage for little bits of information and, and cool stuff that you might be able to take with you in your daily life. So thanks again for listening, and please join us next time for our first videoed podcast, which will be up on YouTube shortly. And if you would like to gain any more content, please go subscribe to our Patreon, again, at Bees in Your Face.